everybody, and welcome back to the Chaos and Shadow podcast. My name is Kyle, and I'm joined here by my co-host, Pagan. How are you doing today, Pagan? Doing great. How are you doing? Very well. It is a wonderful, wonderful week. When people are getting this uh, December 21st, very exciting news. We have a wonderful interview coming this Friday uh, with the amazing new Kirks, Greg and Dana from Hellier. We talk about them all the time. I'm sure you guys have very much checked out their content by this point. But if you haven't, great reminder, wonderful time to dive in. Pagan, they were awesome in that interview. Yes, they were. They were so much fun to talk to. And we cannot wait for you guys to hear this interview. Oh, it was so much fun. So good. So if you're enjoying all the Skinwalker Ranch talk, high strangeness of all the different degrees. Again, you're going to love that stuff. Go check out Hellier if you haven't already. Uh, dig into that episode because it gets real strange and really, really wonderful. So again, that will be out December 25th. It's our little holiday gift to you guys and to ourselves, actually. Um, mm -hmm. As we dive deeper into Skinwalker, though, this week we're going to be uh, getting into the UFOs of the Uinta Basin because it doesn't end at poltergeist activity or anything like that. Now we get to talk all about the UFOs. And for that, I have been diving into the book, The Utah UFO Display by Frank B. Salisbury. And continuing to get through a bit of the Hunt for the Skinwalker book by Colm Keller and Knapp. Interestingly, proving not to be such a factual book after all, Megan. Yeah, and that that's kind of why we love doing what we do and being able to try to dig open everything that we can. So that way we bring you the most factual evidence that we can find on the case. Yes, um, there is going to be, I do not really want to call it, I, 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 I was going to say a rant video, but it is not a rant. I, I recorded a little four minute video explaining some of the reason for the Utah UFO display being a better factual book compared to the Hunt for the Skinwalker uh, and I'm going to post that in our Facebook group, which we are opening to all people that want to join. That is going to be open on December 21st, that, the day this episode airs. That was going to be something we kept exclusive to members, but we want everyone to get in there and get chatting about this stuff. We want to invite more people into our investigation. So we encourage you, check out the Facebook group link in the description of this podcast, wherever you're listening to it. You can also go over to chaosandshadow.com. There are links all over the place and on our our socials you'll find it just take a gander down there and, and get in there while you uh while the getting is good because it's a lot of skinwalker talk and like i said i'm doing yes. a little video on it so it'll give people a little background on it yes there is a lot of skinwalker stuff that you're going to be able to find in there and there's a lot more skinwalker stuff coming in this episode and a few future ones as well yeah because hey, we know ufos are not the end of it before diving into that, let's talk about a couple clarifications I've picked up along the way, though, because we've we've given everyone out there the best information we can up until this point, knowing that we are doing this investigation uh, each week as we record. We, we bring new evidence to the table. So with the new evidence coming to the table, new clarifications. One of the biggest myths that we should tackle right off the bat is addressed in the Utah UFO display. That is the line in the deed transfer where it says, quote, no digging on the ranch. Well, let me just say that's the quote that everyone takes and runs with. The quote actually winds up being no digging on the ranch without prior notification of the owners because of there being oil rights involved. So 
it wasn't about, you know, you can't dig on the ranch at all. Uh, This clause, which the Hunt for the Skinwalker book really, really blows up into something large, is not that crazy. It's pretty, it's it's actually called very typical for the area. So I don't know what to say about that. That makes sense. (laughs) I mean, you figure if there's a lot of oil, which there probably is in that area, um, yeah, you definitely don't want to be digging out there. So because you, you you start getting into some legal hot water at that point with the oil rights and all that good stuff. So yeah, there's nothing supernatural, at least that we have found about the no digging clause. Right. And that's the interesting thing is it seems that then and we'll keep coming back to this one because it's such a big topic. It doesn't seem like there's anything paranormal in the clause itself, since it refers to oil rights. However, it does feel like there is something strange happening with the digging now, as you and I have talked about in the Secret of Skinwalker Ranch TV show, where yes. they... It's, it's one of those questions. If you guys heard our interview with Michelle Bell and Jay, if you haven't, go check it out. Wonderful. We talked about PK manifestations in there, and we may have also talked about that with Katie web as well um mm-hmm. we did i think with the dybbuk box and and, and all of yes, that the dybbuk box and all that good stuff from haunt me yep so yeah, that, right mm-hmm. if you guys haven't listened to that go back give it a listen the idea being that you can will energy or life into something uh, there's all kinds of different variations of tulpas pk manifestations But you could basically give an item a spirit, if you will. And Mm -hmm. that might be what we're looking at in some ways with this idea of no digging on the ranch. Or uh, really, to that effect, anything we talk about with Skinwalker Ranch seems like it may have come from nothing and become something. So Mm -hmm. lots of little clarifications. Um, All of the stuff with the locks on the doors is disputed, according to Garth Myers, Kenneth Myers' brother. So Kenneth and Edith Myers were the ones to own the house. Uh, Apparently, they bought that land back in 1933, not 1905. Uh, and when they had passed and moved off the ranch, apparently the ranch didn't even sit vacant nearly as long as the Hunt for the Skinwalker book portrays it. So bear with us as we wrap up this entire series of Skinwalker in the future. We're going to go through and we're going to talk about all this in depth. So you know what's yes. right and what's unsubstantiated. And that's the thing here. I don't want and I don't think either of us off the bat want to make it sound like this ranch is not haunted or creepy or having activity because I, both of us very much do. Oh, yes, absolutely. The, the ranch does have activity. But the question is, when did the activity truly start? Indeed. And how much of these reports are actually reported truthfully and yes. factually? Because I do believe that they are that, that these people are seeing things. And I do believe that the item we were shown in the Skinwalker uh, TV show they claim to have caught a UFO on camera and it does seem, I mean, they can't identify it. So it is unknown or unidentified, uh, but it feels like there's activity happening there. Uh, as we dive into this episode here, I have even put warning signs in our notes that information from the hunt from the skinwalker book should be taken with a grain of salt. So mm-hmm. we will go through, we'll talk about which ones we can substantiate and which ones might be a little bit out there. First, let's say that, again, the activity really kicks off when the Shermans get on the ranch in the 90s. Gwen Sherman mm-hmm. has a lot of encounters with this activity, this this light. 
One of the first and maybe most notable was Gwen being followed home one night from work. She's she's doing rounds and and she's coming through the gate and this light appears. Uh, Actually, it appears she's seeing them on the ground. These multicolor red, blue, green lights hitting next to her car and around it. She's looking out the windows and sees some sort of triangular craft in the sky. It actually chased her to the house. Because this point in Hunt for the Skinwalker, they say she bolts. She really hits the pedal to the metal. She gets to the house. She's obviously distraught and panicked by this sort of thing. But she gets inside. I believe she calls up her husband, relays all the information. He wasn't there at the time. She urges him to come home. But it doesn't even end there that night. They say in the book that she gets a meal into her. And at the time, I believe she's cleaning dishes or something like that, looks out the window, Pagan, to see what looks like an RV sitting in their yard. And from what you know of the ranch, people can't just sneak up with a huge RV all of a sudden. (laughs) Like, they're nestled. I don't see how that'd be possible. No, and I'm pretty sure that they would hear it. Um, My guess is probably the driveways are gravel. Uh And I have a gravel driveway. We hear everybody that pulls in all the time. So... I would very much say that they would probably hear somebody coming in or coming close to the house. I'd say so. Or at least see the lights or something. Right? Because, I mean, that's the thing. They're, they're so they're so desolately out there in this ranch. Like, when you when you really do see it, when you take a look at those pictures, you can, you can just tell where they are. You don't get light contamination from your neighbors and stuff very easily. They have <laughs> a true vista in front of them without man-made interference. So... Mm-hmm. In what in in a, in a dark dark nighttime situation, this this camper pulling onto private property, and I believe when she was when the first UFO, the triangular one, came and hovered above her, I believe she was actually in the process of like closing up the gates and stuff like that. Uh, and so she had just been closing the stuff that this this camper would have come through, is my understanding of the story. But it gets weirder there because she claims that then she could see a light inside this RV in which a desk was outlined. And beyond the desk, she starts to see a figure moving in there. And when that figure moves up next to the doorway, it looks like they're wearing all black. Uh, but because of that kind of scale going on there, accounting for a little bit of you know distance involved, she thinks the person mm-hmm. would be standing over seven feet tall. And the creepy part is they make eye contact with her. I, I don't know, again, how how truthful that is. Hunt for the Skinwalker embellishes. But... She claims that she can feel him like staring back at her and the next day apparently found some evidence for this situation with big footprints left in the mud. You know what that reminds me of? Betty and Barney Hill. Oh. And if you remember from the Betty and Barney Hill case, which, by the way, we did do an episode on this. So if you'd like to know more about this case, please go back in our library and listen to it. Uh, but there, there was a point when I believe it was Barney that actually looked in yes. the window. Maybe it was Barney. Yeah, yeah it yeah. was Barney that looked into the windows and saw figures and they were also in dark clothing and all this other stuff. So that, that kind of gives me some, you know, hill case kind of vibes with that. And it's very interesting that that's the case. And they found the interesting big footprints in the mud. Um, hmm. It's it says um, no boot marks, um, but rounded, smooth heels. Yeah. Very bizarre. Hmm. hmm. Like it, it's a very bizarre that that 
she's worried. I, 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 this whole time, this whole ranch encounter, I want to make sure that we, we get this into the podcast at some point. But this whole time, through the Hunt for the Skinwalker book and beyond, it seems like Terry Sherman is afraid that there is government activity going on, that there is some sort of government interference on the ranch. And the reason that he speculates this in the very early days, and this this theory does not last very long, mind you, he he goes and, and thinks that's the case when he's first seeing a hovering craft on the property. And there's a couple different accounts of this craft, but basically he sees a craft that's just hovering out there, making no sound, and he goes, I, you know, I've seen military projects. There's a lot of noise involved. That fits with a lot of UFO reports, too, right? That you. Yes, it does. No noise. Um, a strange anti-gravity, almost propulsion that humans should not have mm-hmm. mastered, at least publicly. So he goes, this must be some weird thing. Why is the government doing this? And that idea seems to last with him for a couple or at least probably the first year of the ranch until it fades because realism sets in where he starts going, why in the world would the government be doing this to us? Also similar to your to, to the Betty Barney Hill one where Barney thinks they're being um, zipped by a, a plane. You know, he thinks the government mm-hmm. was harassing them until just the, the sheer... I guess what insanity of that starts to set in like this just doesn't make sense. The government wouldn't be doing that. Why are they testing their stuff out on my private ranch when they actually own land to do this? Mm-hmm. So on and so forth. And I think that ties in that kind of mindset ties in with this RV encounter, because when they saw those boot footprints, they expected to see military style boots in the mud. They thought they were going to yes. catch something very human. And to see this weird rounded heel in there, but big footprints just doesn't fit exactly. Yeah, that's very out there and a little bizarre. And kind of backtracking a little bit, Mm -hmm. the triangular craft that she claims that she saw. It was interesting in the Portals to Hell episode that I watched, um, which is the Strawberry River Inn. They actually talk about seeing a craft that has three lights that looks possibly triangular over the basin. So that's kind of interesting that, you know, so many difference, such a large difference in time between these two accounts. And maybe her her claim has some substantial substantial kind of stuff to go with it. So I don't know. I I would like to say that again when it comes to the hunt for the Skinwalker book, we have to take it with a grain of salt. But I want to I want to believe I want to believe Gwen's story. Well, uh, for what it is worth, there. It should be said that the Hunt for the Skinwalker book is very embellished. Uh, again, I refer people, go check out that Facebook video I'm, I'm going to post because I, I read out some passages from the Utah UFO display where they just kind of debunk it that the stories in, in Hunt for the Skinwalker all seem to stem from some amount of reality. Some of these things did happen akin to how they were portrayed. But I will I will give you a big spoiler from that video that the author of UFO display says how without inner viewing the witnesses in the hunt for the skinwalker how would they've ever gotten all the emotional details that are conveyed in that book and it is true when you're when you're listening to it when you're mm-hmm. reading hunt for the skinwalker by by nap 
you can tell it is written to be a page turner. There's a lot of emotions involved. And again, it just it wouldn't. It, they at least got it all a secondhand hearsay. But there in that there is something very interesting because as much as that story is embellished, all of those accounts to some extent tend to be true. Um, mm-hmm. One that I'm gonna just tease here a smidge because we're gonna be talking about it. Kind of it kind of ties into this episode, and it's gonna tie into the next uh, couple as well. But you may have heard the story of the ranch where there were the four prize bulls that get moved around the property. They talk about Mm -hmm. that in the TV show. So in Hunt for the Skinwalker, small discrepancy, they say that the bulls were transported into a trailer on the ranch. However, the person from um, the, the Utah UFO display actually goes out there, gets to see it's a small shed on the ranch and they could confirm the damage reported in the book where these bulls actually burst out of it after getting out of this hypnotic trance. So, yes, I remember that. Is the story 100 percent? No. But is the story based on the major scary aspect of it or the major like, oh, crap moment? Y- yeah, apparently so. Like the when the factual UFO book starts backing up the the, you know, the more page turner book, I feel like we've got something very interesting to look at there. Yes, absolutely. Uh, let's bring up something else spooky with UFOs for a second. Now, we're, we're going to make a whole episode about this in the future, but the idea is brought up in Hunt for the Skinwalker of chupas or chupa chupas. Uh, if you've also listened to the last podcast on the left episode, they discuss this in some detail as well. It just tends to be part of this because in North America, we are used to our UFOs abducting people, maybe sitting down to have a conversation with people or otherwise it tending to have kind of polite interactions. But in Brazil in the 1970s, there was a wave or a UFO flap where they were actually attacking folks. People were receiving burns, radiation poisoning, and more. It start as lesions on the face that they would get from looking at these rays of light in the sky. Um, it could cause hair loss, blackening of skin, and creepily enough, small puncture marks. And, and Jacques, Vall- Jacques Vallée writes uh, information all about this. So again, there's going to be a very interesting episode ahead. But Pagan, we see this in Skinwalker Ranch, the idea of radiation and burns, things like that, <laughs> damage to maybe people's DNA even. Yeah. We, the interesting thing that all of the stuff that the UFO attack symptoms are very much the same kind of stuff that you would see in major radiation cases like Chernobyl. So are they getting the radiation from an exterior source like UFOs or is it something like potential government testing fallout? Because, you know, Nevada is not very far away from Utah. No, and Utah was very much covered. So in the nuclear tests that were going out in the desert, uh, a lot of that fallout went Utah's way. So, but the trick to it is, is the, as we saw in the hunt, or the Secret Skinwalker show, they do test the property. They do take out, you know, dosimeters and all kinds of stuff. And for the most part, no radioactivity is found. Aside from very localized radiation that we saw in the one episode where he opens Mm -hmm. a well and gets a a, a seriously bad dosage of it, which in his case, we've got to take the show at face value. So I'm going to trust what they say and say with that, he claims that he had to even have surgery to have parts of that skin taken off where, where it had burned him and all of that. 
Uh, that's some serious damage. If if that is exactly that is how serious that damage. Yeah, absolutely serious damage. And oh, so if that's the case that you have, you know, these localized spots, but yet we're still seeing people that are getting attacked um, around the world, not just at Skinwalker from these UFO attacks. It's just it's it's bizarre and interesting. And I don't know. I I if there's no reasonable explanation for the radiation, you know fallout well whatever it may be if there's nothing there then yeah you really have to start looking at that unexplainable cause of radiation cause radiation burns and exposure to it and then you really can start to say is this ufo is this something else very good point i i think uh i think there's gonna be a lot of study on that in the next season of the tv show i've seen Mm -hmm. that they've already been renewed for a second season that's very, very exciting for us as investigators because that means uh, <laughs> we'll get to see a lot, a lot more uh, in the future. And, and and they're really working on some interesting investigations, starting to see where energy lines were falling on the ranch um, with RF meters and, and other things. They're testing radio frequencies. And um, I think they had a tri-field meter out there. Mm-hmm. It seems that with all those good scientists on the ranch, I'm just I'm hoping they can actually catch something because uh, continuing on our, our list of information and stories, this next part's stuff that gets heavily backed from the Utah UFO display. So moving aside from a little bit of a fantastical world there for a second and getting into something that was personally relayed uh, to Frank Salisbury here, a very interesting account of orange objects in the sky. So Terry on the ranch, begins seeing uh, what we get described as geometric shapes in the sky, kind of like a pyramid, and it's orange. He takes binoculars and very often this hunting rifle scope, and he'll go out and, and study study the scope on a, a big old stump in the, the yard, stare up at this thing, and, and get really, really good imagery of it. He can see it very clearly. And on, on different occasions, it appears in different ways, but he describes it on a couple as looking like a boiling water in the sky, something that actually has different layers to it. And in one occasion in particular, it actually looks to open up. It's nighttime for him at the time. Uh, but when this thing opens, this this image, this this object, he actually sees sunlight from the other side. Like wherever he's looking into is having a blue sky, having a, a brilliantly sunny day. And he starts seeing this black object coming at him. It's increasing in size until it actually passes through this portal and then disappears into his own night sky, which is wild. That is wild. Absolutely wild. And we we have said um, in our own personal conversations, but I believe also in uh, past episodes, that something when it comes to UFOs that's kind of theorized, and even we have theorized this, that they don't just come from outer space, they're coming from alternate dimensions. And this kind of gives a little bit of that validity to that theory. So, hmm, I don't know what to make of this. It's really fascinating. I'd like to see this for myself if I could, but uh, that would probably never happen. (laughs) Um, But ultimately, that's a really wild experience to think about. You know, that would be terrifying if you didn't know what to expect. I agree. Yeah. If you're just out there looking at this weird thing in the sky and you're like, what is this? And you're trying to figure out what it is. And then night sky on your side. And then there's daylight on the other side. And you're like, what am I looking at? (laughs) Is there a 
a rift here in the the interdimensional divide here or something. Uh, and I don't know, maybe Terry was, I guess, you know, maybe he understood that that could be a thing, but probably he was just terrified. It and that's just speculation. does sound, according to the book, the Utah UFO display, that Terry does, does believe that this is an interdimensional style portal on his ranch. I want to say there's a little bit of debate on how serious he believes that to be. He is a guy that's described as, quote, hating science fiction. Um, <laughs> so uh, interestingly, not appeased or you know, interested in this concept. But when looking at it, what else do you what do you how how else does your brain interpret a portal in the sky where it's nighttime for you, daytime for that? And something zips through it. It goes beyond this, though, because, well, this thing was seen in the sky by all of the family members dozens of times, this portal thing. Mm -hmm. But he goes, why aren't any of the neighbors also complaining about this thing? It's, it's described as being about a mile above the ranch or a mile away. I think the book says specifically a mile away from, but I'm implying or I'm starting to think they might have meant a mile up. Uh, and mm -hmm. the reason I'm thinking that I'm I should very be very clear that is my speculation is because in the show they're also saying that there's beams arcing in the sky above the ranch by about a mile yep. or so up. So mm -hmm. what I'm getting at is maybe these are one and the same. So what Terry does to figure out a little bit about the neighbors and why they're not reporting this is he starts driving away from the ranch one of the times he can see this thing notices that as you get further away, as you start leaving the property and get to where the actual government roads are, from that distance, this object looks like nothing more than an orange cloud in the sky, which they say it comes around sunset anyway. So it just looks like any other ordinary, you know, pretty sunset sky. No one would think anything of it if they didn't know what they were looking at. Beyond that, I've heard it described that it only was visible from certain angles, even on the ranch, that um, it was almost like a, I guess if you took like a, a, a toilet paper tube, you know, get a cylinder sort of thing, uh -huh. that you could only see it depending on like the angle of where that tube would be facing towards the ranch. And I actually heard that it was only really, really visible from the homestead location. So it was like looking at them, in fact, that if you'd start to move anywhere around outside of the homestead, you couldn't see it as easily. Well, you know, that kind of makes sense with, you know, rift theory that rift is basically like having or the divide, the veil, whatever you want to call it, is kind of like having a sheet there. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking at it head on, yeah, you would see it clearly. And maybe that's where that veil sheet rift, whatever you want to call it again, um, is is right in the 100% in the viewpoint from the homestead. But if you go to a different part of the ranch, then you're looking, trying to look at, you know, a sheet from the side where you're not able to really see, like you're seeing something's there, but you don't know what it is because you can't see it in its full, you know, imagery. Indeed. And these, it's, I, 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 what do you do? I mean, it, it, it drives people crazy, I think is, is what starts to happen here. I think that's the, oh, yeah. the scary aspect to some parts of Skinwalker Ranch is this couple, the Shermans, went on that ranch as prize ranchers, as people that really took pride in their ability to keep their cattle healthy, alive, and really, really prosperous in the financial sense. So anytime mm -hmm. anything was going on like this that was threatening their livelihood or their success, I, I really challenged them. 
uh, actually culminates when we're talking about the UFO issue in a very specific story. Did you know Chaos and Shadow has moved to Facebook? That's right. We've got Facebook pages for this show and Revelator Paranormal. Like them today. Become a member on our website and gain exclusive access to our Facebook group. There, you can help us investigate the files, dive deeper, and build this community from the ground up. Huge thank you to all of our supporters. Head over to chaosandshadow.com forward slash subscribe and look for the links in the description to join our Facebook. Where... Terry gets really flustered with these blue orbs that start appearing. Um, Terry and and Dave, as he's called at one point, give chase to these objects at one point in the book. Um, But beyond that, as they continue to encounter them, there is a specific occasion where he sicks his trained dogs on this blue orb. He's got three very well-trained dogs uh, that he tells Mm -hmm. to go after it. And this orb taunting him and his wife sees these dogs coming at him. The dogs are barking at the orb and it starts leading them away from the ranch and into the wood line. All the while it's bobbing up and down. It's getting low enough so the dogs can bite and nip at it, but actually can't make contact. When it gets into the tree line, you know, Terry's hearing all this barking, barking, barking. And then these yelps of pain come out from the trees and all the barking ceases. And as all the books mm-hmm. say, it's too, obviously, that is a terrifying situation. He does not pursue them, uh, rightfully so. Goodness knows what would happen if you go into the tree line with something that just effectively killed your three dogs. But does go in to investigate the next day to see a lot of burnt, charred trees and grass, specifically in these three puddles where there's like a greasy goo. I don't know about you, Peggy, but I hate when paranormal activity hate hurts animals. I hate anything that hurts animals because I, I'm a protector and lover of animals. And at that point, I would have like raged war with the ranch. Right? <laughs> you, you can hurt me. You can hurt my land. But you touch my dogs That's and my you're dog. dead. <laughs> That's me. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know why. I, I mean, I, I understand why he did it. He was frustrated and probably felt very violated uh, that, you know, something was very intrusively coming onto the land and dealing with all that. And he was probably also frightened. But at the same time, I don't know, I guess just me as a dog owner and an animal lover, I would never sick my dogs on something that I couldn't explain what it was. Um, because I would be terrified they would get hurt. I I would be the one standing between them and the dogs. I don't think <laughs> so. I don't think he. Uh, I don't think that he cared about the way the dogs in that way. Like these sound to me like trained kind of hunting and and guard dogs. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think he had an affection for them. For example, I don't believe they came in the house. I think they were outdoor dogs for guard stuff. Uh, and also, I don't yeah. think he believed in all exactly what was going on. You know, I, 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 I get the feeling he thinks this is still explainable to that point. But that being the final straw that broke the camel's back, that was the account. That was the thing that got him to get in touch with the Deseret News, that got the article out there where he said, you know, my land is under attack. We can't handle this anymore. Uh, We need Mm -hmm. help. And from there, when Bigelow buys the ranch off of him, this is that final straw. 
And the the weird part or the disturbing part is that uh, Joseph Jr. Hicks, the one that is the on the, the ground guy for the Utah UFO display, goes over to the ranch and actually sees those puddles of goo and burnt grass. Um, to be very, very specific, in the book he recounts that he only remembers two of them. But when Salisbury is talking to Sherman, Sherman confirms there are three, were three dogs in that case. So gross, sad, and um, I don't know, I guess verifiable in this way, right? Like outside yeah. source checking in saying, yeah, there were goo puddles of unexplained origin. Not only that, you, the amount, the, when you really think about those goo puddles and from most human knowledge, like we don't really have any sort of weaponry that can turn you other than like a bomb really turn you into a puddle of goo. That's true. And so something like that, at that point, you can definitely say, this is not of this world, especially during this time period. That would have not been of this world. There was nothing that we know of, government or otherwise, that could do something like this. So I would say, you know, it's like, okay, if they could do that to a dog, what could they do to a human? And so I wouldn't understand exactly why he reached out and said, we need help, because that would be really terrifying. Absolutely. It really does make one start to appreciate that there is some sort of violence that happens around the ranch. Clearly, it is not super kind. And as we go on, we're going to talk about cattle mutilations in one of our upcoming episodes. But there is a large plethora of strange stories around that. So uh, one of the examples here, or what I guess I'll summarize with, tease you guys, is that the Shermans linked seven of their cows to strange deaths and disappearances, four of them vanishing without a trace, all with their own strange stories attached. One of them running into a snowstorm, Terry being able to track it to a certain distance, noticed very clearly, I mean, very easy to fresh snow prints, sees his cattle or cows running away. And actually, the, the tracks just stop right there, as if he rations it away, saying it had to have been like a helicopter. It would have taken a helicopter team to come down, uh, you know, leaning back again to that realism, that military idea. It would have had to be a team that came down, hoisted this cattle up. But how and why would you do that to someone's private livestock in the middle of a blizzard? He's like, that would be next. I mean, you, flight conditions next to impossible but yet never to be found again. And these stories just keep coming. I mean, they're, they're, they're one after another strange of seeing a cow within 20 minutes being horribly mutilated. Again, we'll get into a lot of that, but it's just, it's, it's wild when you hear the stories and the lack of good, solid human explanations for them. It really is absolutely terrifying to kind of think about that stuff. And, you know, we had talked about this in a previous episode about, you know, cows know they sense stuff and having owned cows for majority of my life, except for the last 10 years, um, I can 100% tell you that cows don't run out into the middle of a snowstorm. They stick close by something, they'll go and find cover, but they're not going to run out into the middle of a blizzard. So something made them do that. And that's just a, to think about something that would scare a cow enough to run out into that had to have been absolutely terrifying for that animal. I agree with you there. I agree. And the more we're talking about this, the more I'm kind of like, okay, these aliens are just mean. First you go after dogs and now you're going after cows? Really? Just leave the animals alone. <laughs> that That is a big question in it. it you know, what What is the phenomena doing? It does not seem to be very polite or kind in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. 
in the book, Salisbury says it posits that the ranch activity that is called Skinwalkers, we'll talk about this a little bit more next week, but may actually be aliens. Uh, as we discuss all the time, could be very much one in the same, right? What's the difference between yes. aliens, high technology that lets them dip between dimensions or anything like that versus <laughs> our interpretation of magic? But says that because of all the trickster-esque activity that was done on the ranch, uh, Salisbury gets the vibe that this may be full-on extraterrestrial. Well, I guess I would say ultra-terrestrial in interference. Because mm-hmm. without being done with the Utah UFO display, it seems like Salisbury is getting more and more skeptical, like many researchers, of the nuts and bolts theory. That, like I myself, I'm not a big believer that we're being visited by people from outer space, another planet, so much as possibly maybe another parallel universe of our planet. But these these are the weird, like the Skinwalker Ranch stuff is the stuff that doesn't make a great amount of sense for uh, mechanical UFOs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of interesting that he makes that correlation that they might be aliens of sorts, because, you know, for those who don't know about the Skinwalker lore, the Skinwalkers appear human in some aspects, but can shapeshift. Right. And so the question really truly kind of goes back again to the Hill case is in the Hill case, Betty definitely kind of makes this kind of, I guess, correlation to where they are trying to appear to be as close to human as possible, but they're getting stuff wrong. And so the Skinwalker, if they're the aliens first came about during the time of Native Americans, maybe they tried to choose a form that looked similar to that those people and ended up getting it wrong. And that's why the Skinwalkers come across as very grotesque and scary and all that and they don't look right and anybody who interacts with them loses time and they end up in places that they can't recall how they got there and it's just a really bizarre kind of scary thing to think about so if i i definitely buy into the ultra terrestrial thing of the skinwalkers well that will be our next topic to dive into everyone as you continue to listen along with our skinwalker coverage next week we are talking about cryptids we're going to be covering some of the strange cases that involved creatures on the ranch like dogs skinwalkers and more that were causing all kinds of trouble uh it's true I will say we're always going to be issuing corrections in that we're we're planning on doing a wrap up at the end so everyone can can keep up to date on stuff. This series is a very enjoyable one. I'm really liking taking all this time, Pagan, and doing a month long review. Uh, We're calling it a month long, Mm -hmm. but it could be longer. But it's like a fun, it's a fun deep dive into it. I don't think we would have gotten into as many of these stories in the detail if we weren't doing it. So huge thank you to those that are following along with us. If you guys want to join and get extra stuff, please consider becoming a member over at chaosandshadow.com. We actually just posted up a sigil for our members, though this is going to be our community yes. sigil for everyone. Uh, Pegan and I made it. We, we crafted it as two separate parts, combined it. And there's a whole how-to video up on the website. Go check that out with details. We've got a new candle up on the store for those that are looking to get into spellcraft in any way. This is a great place to start. I have Mm -hmm. custom handmade candles going up there. And all you need to supply is the intent behind the candle. What do you want it to do? 
And uh, we'll begin making those for people and sending them out. I should just put it out there that because you're hearing this on December 21st, there's no expectation of those going out before Christmas. My supplies for that are even hung up in the mail. So just for those that are celebrating any sort of holiday, those are probably going to be shipping out closer to January. Pig and you got a review up of the Mark of the Bell Witch. I did. It was a wonderful opportunity that we actually got a screener copy of Mark of the Bell Witch from Small Town Monsters and super awesome documentary. I totally recommend you guys go check it out. Also check out the review. Give it a good read if you're still on the fence about watching it. Maybe the review will tip you over and I definitely highly recommend it. It is probably one of the best Bell Witch documentaries I've ever seen. Yeah, it was very, very good. That That is a great one. So I know they appreciate that review going up. On that note, I, I we are teasing that by the time you hear this, we'll have attended a um, whole Saturday long little ritual thing that we're going to report back on in detail, get another review up for that. But just a tease that has something to do with Michelle Bellinger. So pay attention to her mm-hmm. socials. And again, go watch that or listen to the uh, episode with her. Um, speaking of the Mark of the Bell Witch, we have an interview with Seth uh, Breedlove, the director of Mark of the Bell Witch. You guys can hear that interview, get some details yes. about how that was done and the Mothman legacy film. We got the new Kirk interview coming again on December 25th. Super fantastic. It was amazing. Loved every second of it. Huge thank you to them for joining us. And Pagan, what do you say a general reminder to go go get up there on the blog, everyone? We are pumping out mm-hmm. content something like three days a week now. Yeah, pretty close to three to four days a week. Uh, we've got so much stuff that's coming out and hitting the blog. Uh, everything from our interview posts to our reviews to regular blog posts to occult stuff. Y- you name it, there is something there for everybody. So go check out our blog. Truly. And if you guys would like uh, to give us any kind of gift for, for the new year, the biggest thing that we would ask of everyone out there is to share the show. Something totally, totally free for friends, family, they can all subscribe at no cost to them. We have set ourselves a goal of getting 1,000 subscribers and listeners by, well, some point in 2021. I think we were talking the end of the year, but I think with our audience, we can absolutely crush that probably by the midpoint. You guys out there, I just, I have so much faith in all of our listeners. So thank you for joining us. Share this out on any any platform you like. We love getting to know everyone. Um, get in touch with us through the website. Come follow us on social media. And everyone have a very, very safe holiday season. No matter what you're doing, how you're, how you're practicing or participating. If you're seeing family mm-hmm. or otherwise, please do it in the safest, safest possible way. And tune in next week because we're going to have more fun for you. Pagan, thank you for everything. We'll talk to you all thank soon. Thank you as well. Bye-bye. Bye.